time once again for the Purely Pigskin Podcast. We are here. It is episode 22. And man, oh man, does this NFL season just keep bringing more and more excitement to the game. With me once again is my good friend, Eric Radicek. Eric, what's going on, man? What's up, Pete? Good to be back. Coming into week 14. We're heading down the stretch. We're getting ready for the playoffs. This is when we find out who's got the stuff to make it to the Super Bowl. Let's go. Let's go. There's so much going on in the week. I'm really excited for this. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this episode. But I want to start off with that uh, Monday night football game between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Much anticipated as these two have been battling it out for supremacy in the AFC East. Unfortunately, my Dolphins uh, are not exactly in the fight uh, because of their early season struggles. But all the same, big, big game this was. And once again, we saw Bill Belichick's Patriots emerge victorious amidst the terrible uh, conditions uh, in Buffalo there. What a game that was. What a game indeed. And I think we just saw, you know, Bill Belichick, you know, I'm going to say put on a bit of a masterpiece here. I, I know it was boring, but it was just run, 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 run. But that was all by design. This was a weather game. It was ugly. Belichick just dared the Bills to stop their run, and they couldn't do it. You saw the long touchdown run from Damian Harris, and and even when Damian Harris got hurt and Ramondre Stevenson came in in relief, uh, they still got some run game going all throughout that game. Didn't really need to throw the ball at all. Overall, I mean, what are your takeaways here? I mean, is this indicative of New England being the superior team to Buffalo? Is this their division now? Well, I got a lot to say on this. A lot of people were asking. A lot of people were asking me specifically uh, when Brady left New England, what's going to come of the Patriots? Are they done? And I said no at the time. I said they will be weak. They will be vulnerable for a year, maybe two, and then they'll be back. And what's happened? Exactly that. It wasn't even two years. I knew it, and I knew what I said was because they would be vulnerable because you just don't replace a Tom Brady. You don't. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the greatest coach, greatest organization, whatever. You don't replace Tom Brady uh, at the drop of a hat. It does take time to get back. But knowing Bill Belichick as I do, being an AFC East guy, I knew that he would have this team back in short order. And this is exactly where we're at. And you're right. It was a Bill Belichick masterclass. Although I have to say, Bill's head coach, Sean McDermott, didn't think so. Uh, Because after the game, uh, he said this, quote, let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick in this one. Whether it was Bill or anybody else, they beat us, right? But you sit here and you tell me when we start with an average starting field position of the 40-yard line and he starts with the 23-yard line and we were 1 for 4 in the red zone and they were 0 for 1 in the red zone. You give me that ahead of time, I'd say I like my chances. He went on to say, I don't think, with all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you doing with the opportunities you got? (laughs) Wow, shots fired. Shots fired, and I got to say, these are the words of a frustrated head coach that cannot believe he just lost in the manner in which he lost. It's sour grapes. There's no other way to cut it. He simply got outsmarted by Belichick, and he didn't want to admit it. You know, the brilliance of Belichick's plan, and I love to watch, you know, even though I'm a Dolphins fan, 
I have the utmost respect for Bill Belichick. I love to see him operate. I love how he employs strategy uh, to win and all the little things. And of course, you know, it was predictable that he would take the air out of the ball and try to run run a lot on the Bills. I don't know if anyone predicted that he would run that this much, but that was the plan. And not only was he taking the, the elements out of the game by running the football, but the wind was also going for, in one direction across the field. It wasn't a swirling wind. It was going from one end of the field to the other. And the Bills took, they took the side with the wind to start the game, and they kicked to New England. So they gave themselves an advantage right off the hop. But what Bill Belichick did was, in not only running the football, not passing it, but he also shortened the quarter. Okay, he shortened the quarter so that he wouldn't have to spend all that much time against the wind. And then in the second quarter, he would have the freedom to do uh, a little more. Now, I was a little surprised that they ran the ball as much as they did and, and didn't give Mac Jones at least a few more opportunities. But again, the Bills had more of an advantage there because Josh Allen has a stronger arm. And, uh, you know, the Bills, you know, they just messed this one up. There's no doubt about it. But Belichick did a fantastic job coaching this team uh, into a victory, and they are the favorites now in this division. Yeah, that's just it. And I do think it's sour grapes from McDermott because, yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't. It's not any one large thing that Belichick did. You know, it wasn't that one play or that that one uh, strategy they employed that won the game. It's all the little things he does within the game. It's all the little adjustments, all the maneuvers he makes. It's little inches here and there that add up to the cumulative effect of him being one of the greatest minds in the game. And this is just one of the greatest minds of the game doing what he usually does, getting the win and completely frustrating the other side. Yeah. And uh, the the Patriots are back. We'll, we'll maybe circle back to that a little later uh, about their Super Bowl chances this year. I know a lot of people are now pegging them as perhaps favorites in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl, a spot that they're well familiar with, but not in the post-Tom Brady era. But we'll come back to that. Let's get into the Chargers-Bengals game, because I know you and I were both really excited about this one. Uh, two good, young offenses uh, battling it out, both teams uh, looking promising in good positions. And this It was a funny game the way this one played out. The Chargers jumped out to an early lead. I think it was uh, 24 unanswered to start. Uh, the Bengals came back with 22 unanswered of their own to make it a football game. And then the Chargers capped it off by scoring 17 straight in the fourth quarter. They win the game 41 to 22. What were your takeaways in this one? Well, it was a crazy game. I mean, it was ugly from Cincinnati. There were some really bad turnovers and, um, you know, some touchdowns that resulted directly off those turnovers from Cincinnati. And the score, I don't feel like really, you know, plays a justice to what we saw actually on the field. They were a couple of bounces here and there from making this a game and making this a real contest. And the one that I really especially remember is Burroughs. I think it was about a 60 plus yard touchdown pass, what should have been to Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase bobbles the ball and it goes straight up in the air and the DB picks it off. And then I'm pretty sure the Chargers turn that next drive into a touchdown. So you just, there's, we talked about the little inches here and there. Well, the turnovers were huge in this game. Um, And the Chargers, I just think we saw a a little bit more of a, uh, you know, the players came to play and, 
you know, we, we got a couple of good bounces there for them. And I think that's ultimately what, uh, what led to their victory. And Keenan Allen was huge. He came up just so clutch with two touchdowns. It, it, it was a good game. You know, like I said, the score doesn't completely tell the whole picture here. Yeah, perhaps not. And I think there's still a lot of promise for both teams. They're still both in the race. And obviously we'll see how things go. Joe Burrow. Uh, has now 14 interceptions this year. That leads the league in the wrong way. He's, he's thrown the most interceptions of anyone else in the league. Is that a cause for concern here? You know what? I would say that it is actually because he started off the year at the first couple of games. And, and I got to say, I've been watching the Bengals pretty closely. I don't know about you, but every year I, I tend to adopt like a second team. You got your favorite team. And then for whatever reason, there's a team that you're just kind of keeping an eye on. And for me, that was the Bengals this year. And, and I remember early in the season, Joe Burrow, you weren't quite sure whether he was confident in that injury coming back from it yet. He was a little tentative in those first couple of games. And then he just came on and he was really, really good, really solid for the next batch of games. Um, and then for whatever reason, in the last four or five games, I'm going to say the touchdowns have dried up. I think last time I checked, he's got like one, uh, three touchdowns, I think in the last four games or something like that. And the, the interceptions have been there. Um, you know, you're seeing Jamar Chase not be the uh, the otherworldly talent that he was as he came into the league here. He was a surefire rookie of the year, I would say, out of the gate. And then the last few weeks coinciding with Burroughs' uh, plummet, we're seeing him also start to plummet. So I wonder if the two are connected. I think we got to get those two guys back on the same page here. Uh, for this team to really be successful. And another thing you got to look out for is Burrow got hurt in that game. I think I read it was a dislocated pinky, and that's his throwing hand. So that is a concern. It's something we're going to have to watch moving forward here. Yeah, you said it. you got to watch moving forward. We'll see. I take it a, a little bit both ways here. Uh, am I concerned in the short term or in the in, in over the sense of the season? Yes, I am. Because if the Bengals fancy themselves contenders, if they see themselves making the playoffs and going on a run, at the end of the day, he has to cut down on these turnovers because you will not win in the playoffs turning the ball over. So Burrow recognizes it. He doesn't like the fact that he's leading the league in interceptions. He knows he's got to do something about it, and he will need to if they're going to be successful. Longer term, in terms of his career, I'm not really worried about it. I think he will sort these things out over time. Quarterbacks throw picks. It's part of the game. And we need to remember, I think, that Joe Burrow still only has 22 career games under his belt in his entire career so far, as short as it has been. So, yeah, longer term, it's not a big deal as far as I'm concerned. But when we're talking this season and where the Bengals want to go as a team, I am concerned he's got to cut those interceptions out. All right, let's move to another big game, and we'll stay in the AFC North uh, talking about the Bengals there. We had a, an AFC North battle between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Much anticipated fixture every year. They go at it at least twice a year. And the Steelers came out on top 20 to 19 this week. Did you catch this game? I did. I watched quite a bit of this game. It was a surprising result for me. Um, I don't have much faith in Pittsburgh. I know I've kind of um, spoken to that on your show a couple times here, it feels like this year. Um, and I expected Baltimore to win this. Um, the offense just doesn't seem to be really showing up for the Ravens here in the last couple of weeks. And if we look back to earlier in the year, uh, before Rashad Bateman came back from injury, there was a really good connection developing between Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. He was catching those long balls, those long touchdowns, 
and the pass game was working for Lamar Jackson, um, you're never going to take his legs away. But he's got to get that pass game rolling again. And uh, we saw at the end of the game, you know, it, it came down to the last play. And Jackson, on that last play, he just missed Mark Andrews. It should have been the game-winning play. They went for the greedy two-point conversion to, to end the game right there. And they had it. Our Andrews was open, and Jackson just missed him. And it wasn't the only time Jackson was missing receivers in that game. Yeah, I will say that Jackson was having to move around in the pocket. You know, he came back, he had to step up, and then he had to try to contort his body to the right to get the ball out there. And he actually overcompensated because he thought, it's going to be difficult for me to lay this ball in front of him. And then he ended up doing laying the ball out too far in front of him. And he wasn't able to come down with the catch. But yeah, what did you think about that two-point conversion attempt? Because the Steelers scored to take the lead, uh, 20-13, to 13, with 148 left in the clock. The Ravens get the ball. They score with 12 seconds left. So pretty much guaranteed you're going to overtime. Harbaugh didn't want to wait for overtime. He wanted the win. You're always going to get criticized if it doesn't come off for you. But what did, what did you think of the actual call? Did you like the call? I think it depends. I think it depends on who you got at the quarterback position and how much trust you have in that player. For the Baltimore Ravens, you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the game. You've got a guy who can run that two-point conversion in with his legs. You can see an RPO play. There are a lot of opportunities there, and that is actually what we saw. It was an RPO play um, to get Andrews open in the flat, uh, running kind of parallel to the gold line. I like the call. The call was right. The play was there. Jackson just missed him. I'm going for that nine times out of ten. Why give the other team the ball back in overtime and give them a chance to win the game? You got the game right there in front of you. Go get those couple of yards and win. What do you think, Pete? Well, I guess the argument against that would be, you know, you just take take the tie, go to overtime, and, you know, with the new overtime rules, you're both going to have a chance unless you really screw it up, right? So the other team goes down and scores a field goal. You still get the ball. You don't have to worry about that anymore. But I am with you on this because of the momentum of the game and the way that it was going. After three quarters, the Ravens were up 10-3. to The Steelers totally took over the fourth quarter. Deontay Johnson had two touchdowns. You know, they had come all the way back and took, taken the lead. And so it's not just looking at, well, we can go to overtime, we can, we can regather. But all the momentum, it's in Pittsburgh. Why not put them on the fence? You've just scored a touchdown. Why not go for the two? I don't fault them for going that at all. But the consequence is still there. They've given another lifeline to these Steelers, and uh, the Steelers are now 6-5-1. and one. The Ravens are down to 8-4, and four, so there's still a bit of a gap, but the Steelers, could that could be the game that gets them into the playoffs at the end of the season. You're right, it could be, but those are the decisions that, uh, you know, have Harbaugh where he is today. I mean, he is a bit of a gambler, and oftentimes those gambles work out. That's the type of team that does go for those fourth and two, fourth and three conversions, and like I said, with Lamar Jackson, you got to cover an extra man out there. And I think it it is the right play to play aggressively with that quarterback. I wouldn't do it with if I were another team, say, with more of a traditional pocket passer or a younger QB that I didn't have that confidence in. But with Jackson, I think it's all systems go. Yeah, I, and again, though, I, if I'm providing a counterpoint there, he's also got one of the most clutch kickers, if not the most clutch kicker in all time, in Justin Tucker, right? And if you can get that into overtime and you need a field goal to win the game, you got him there as well, right? I, I read a funny stat about him, not a funny stat, but an incredible stat really, uh, about Justin Tucker. He has now made 56 straight field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime. That's the most since 1991. 
56 straight field goals in the fourth quarter or overtime. That is clutch, my friend. That is absolutely clutch. And Justin Tucker probably is the best guy in the game today at the position. But it still doesn't take away the fact, though, that if you don't go for it there on that play and try to win the game right then and there, you very well could be giving the ball back to the Steelers. And like you said, they had the momentum there. How do you know they don't just end up launching a touchdown to Deontay Johnson and ending it right there in overtime and you never even got your shot to try to win the game? I believe in taking shots. I believe in Lamar Jackson. I think it was the right call. All right. One of my favorite sayings this year has been fortune favors the bold. It didn't come off this time, but I still like the saying. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's move into uh, a couple of our, our two teams now and just maybe give a brief update on how our teams are doing. Of course, the Seahawks got a big win against the 49ers this week, 30-23. Uh, to 23. What were your thoughts on that game? Well, you know, we can't make the playoffs, but we sure can play spoiler, especially to those other NFC West teams. And who better to do it against than those lowly 49ers? I mean, I loved it. I love to see it. That's that's our Super Bowl now. We just have to try to win those NFC West games. We know this isn't about this year anymore. There are a ton of question marks about what the future looks like for the Seahawks. We got into that last week. We don't need to rehash the whole thing, but... We did talk about Russell Wilson's future and whether or not he'd even be back next year. And what do you know? Yesterday, uh, today, the rumor mill is starting up again and that, that uh, Russell Wilson would accept a trade to certain destinations and apparently uh, specific teams were named. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but where there's smoke, there's fire. And this has been a steady drumbeat now for the last calendar year. And I think uh, I think Russell Wilson's ultimately behind this with his agent. I think he wants out of town. He wants a fresh start. We're never going to see Russell Wilson uh, donning the number 12 for the Seahawks again. Um, sorry, I think I got the number wrong. I was thinking. Yeah, hey, well, it's the 12. He's not going to don the number three in front of the 12. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> But so Russell Wilson, I, I love the player. I just, I can't see this working beyond this year. I, I, I really believe he does want out of the city and it's a shame, but I think with this comes an opportunity. It's time to retool. It's time to rebuild. Let's get some new minds in there. Let's, uh, let's start to take a fresh look and start to rebuild through the draft. Yeah. I can imagine that a lot of Seahawks fans would obviously be very sad and maybe even angry about Russell Wilson leaving but at least, you know, you can say you've got that Super Bowl, right? And anytime you, you get a player or a coach that kind of brings your team, your town, a Super Bowl, then when they leave, yes, it hurts, but it, it's kind of more of a, a well wishes leaving, right? Like, you know what? You gave us a lot. You gave us a Super Bowl. Best wishes on your future. Side question, though, because I was just thinking about this. We talked about the Steelers. I think most people would agree that Ben Roethlisberger is probably done after this year. Uh, he won't confirm it, but it seems like that's the case. Could you see a high-profile quarterback jumping to the Steelers next year, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, perhaps? You know, it's a possibility. 
It's a possibility. It is a team that we obviously had higher expectations for. A QB going into that city would have some great weapons. I mean, let's look at Chase Claypool. I mean, not even being the top receiver there with Deontay Johnson and this young guy in Friermuth. Or what do they call your guy down there in Pittsburgh whenever he scores a touchdown? <laughs> they just say Muth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a situation any QB would be excited about. Um, the only thing I wonder though, is Tomlin tends to be more of an old school coach. You know, I don't know if you heard the storyline last week out of the Steelers uh, practice, but Chase Claypool was complaining that there should be some music in the practice and Tomlin didn't have very nice things to say about Claypool and that presser after that practice that day. And I don't know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers who clearly chafes under management at times and, uh, maybe being told what to do, whether he would get along with a Tomlin type. Yeah, yeah, who knows? We'll see. Uh, well, time will tell on that one. Uh, as for my Dolphins, we won again, uh, believe it or not. It's five in a row. And uh, in so doing, in beating the Giants, we had two rookies uh, set rookie records for the Dolphins. First, we had uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, who set the Dolphins' rookie season reception record. And uh, Jalen Phillips broke the Dolphins' rookie record for rookie sacks. So, man, I got to tell you, as as frustrated as I have been over the first part of this season where the Dolphins basically threw it all away by losing constantly, uh, it looks like the first three picks in this past year's draft have been all hits. Jalen Waddle first, Jalen Phillips second, and Javon Holland the safety. Ball hawking safety, he gets interceptions. He's, he can play any position, play safety, drop down into the slot. He rushes the quarterback well, gets after them on sacks. He's just a, he's just a great player. So a lot of positives for the Dolphins now who go into a bye. And uh, when we come out of that bye, we're going to have the Jets. So a chance to really keep the ball rolling there for my Dolphins, which is kind of exciting. You've got a young, exciting team there. And, and one thing I wonder, Pete, is – with those picks working out, how much do you think Flores had an influence on, you know, the players that are getting drafted in Miami? How much of that is um, the front office? And, and, you know, do you know much about how that relationship, that dynamic is kind of behind the scenes? Yeah, they, he and uh, Chris Greer, the general manager, have a great working relationship. Uh, and I, I get the sense that Flores has a lot of say, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I do wonder uh, how much... Uh, he had to do with Jalen Waddle being drafted first, but I think I think he would have been on board with it in the very least because Waddle was explosive. We all knew that, and uh, everyone was wondering. You know, they thought uh, Jamar Chase would go first, which he did among the wide receivers. But a lot of people liked Devonta Smith more than Jalen Waddle, and although I still like Devonta Smith as a prospect, I think he's going to be a great wide receiver. Hands down, I would take Waddle. Uh, now and I think he Waddle displays a certain toughness he's not just a fast and finesse guy he's tough and he's competitive and that's the kind of guy that Brian Flores likes so and certainly with the defensive picks you know we got Raekwon Davis playing nose tackle Uh, Flores drafted him a couple of years ago and he's just a beast in the middle of the field Uh, takes up a lot of space demands a lot of attention so this defense definitely has Flores's fingerprints all over it they do need a little bit more consistency uh, in their efforts. But as you said, yeah, really exciting uh, unit. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that you thought maybe, you know, it's looking like the Dolphins season might be done, but they're not out of it yet, right? Six wins, seven losses. That's a really bunched up group there at the bottom of the AFC that's looking in uh, from just outside the playoff bubble, considering Cincinnati at the sixth seed only with seven wins and five losses. I mean, I know a lot of things would have to go right for them to make the playoffs, but could you see a scenario where it could happen? I mean, it's mathematically possible, but I have to admit that I'm very doubtful uh, that the Dolphins will get into the playoffs. And the reason being is that in their position, there's just so many teams to get jump over in order to get into the playoffs. You mentioned the Bengals there in the sixth seed at seven and five. I think the Bills technically are the last playoff team now, also at seven and five in the seventh seed. But the Dolphins are the 13 seed, even though they're only one win behind. So that's that's six teams in between the Dolphins and a playoff spot. And uh, even though the Dolphins have a decent schedule down the stretch, I'm just not sure it's going to be enough at the end of the day. You know, they lost to some other teams that they're battling for position there, uh, the Bills chief among them, and, and they'll play again before the season's over. But uh, I don't know. I, I can't say that I'm too hopeful even at this point. We'll see, though. We'll see. We'll see. If not, we, we know there's good things coming in the years ahead. Yeah. All right. Let's turn our attention now to some of the major storylines. And this has to be my favorite storyline. I want to start with this one is, is there now a Minshew mania happening in Philly? And if you, (laughs) if you are aware of anything going on in the world of football and you've heard of Gardner Minshew, I don't know how you cannot root for this guy. This guy's so lovable. He's such a character. He has such an expressive passion for the game of football, a video that went viral saw him after the win that they got against the Jets on Sunday, hugging and like punching playfully his father, uh, just so completely jacked up after the game. Uh, he showed up in like, I don't know what that was, like an Air Force jacket with some <laughs> aviators. I think yeah. he was probably giving props to the to the Air Force on that one. But is it is there a Minshew... Uh, rising in Philly. What do you think is going on here? Jalen Hurts was injured, of course, for that game. Well, look, I mean, just like you said off the top, he is a fun guy to root for, man. This guy's almost like, he's a larger-than-life type of personality. He's almost like one of these guys you see in the WWE or something like that. And he just brings so much entertainment factor. And, and yeah, I do remember that video where he shows up at the airport. In fact, I put it in our group chat that we have with some of our some of our guys there. And he shows up, you know, for a game against the Jets, dressed as a fighter pilot right out of Top Gun or something like that. I mean, how could you not love this, right? Yeah. And uh, but yeah, but then I got to look at the real sort of football picture and Minshew mania. I think he's probably too good to be a backup in the NFL, if you ask me. I think there's a team that could use Minshew as a starter, and I'd love to see him be a starter because he plays some exciting football. Is he good enough to displace Jalen Hurts? No, I don't think so. Jalen Hurts is a guy I think you want to continue to try to develop and build your franchise around. Yeah, and it's an interesting question because the Eagles have just gotten over a a quarterback controversy, right? (laughs) With Carson Wentz and the aforementioned Jalen Hurts. And they shipped Wentz out of town and went with Hurts. But even if you remember back to last year, they benched Hurts to see uh, if, uh, was it Nick Foles would do anything with that team? Like, I, I forget who it was now, actually, but they brought in the third string quarterback to see what he had. Rather than continue to develop Hurts last year, it made no sense at all. 
And now, once again, they, they potentially have another controversy on their hands. I agree with you. I think Minshew is too good to be a backup in this league. But if I was another team in the NFL, I would be looking to get Minshew off of the Eagles uh, because I think he is too good. Uh, he's an underdog. He's kind of like the Philip Lindsay, I think, of quarterbacks. You know, Lindsay as well. A lot of uh, expressed passion. You see it. He runs hard all the time, but people always doubt him because of his size. The same is true for Minshew. And you just root for these guys. You want them to to be given a shot to show what they can do. And I really hope that Minshew is a starter in this league. It may not be Philly because I do think Hertz will continue to progress. But I want to see Minshew playing every Sunday. Absolutely. I'm right there with you, Pete. Yeah. All right. Well, we mentioned the Patriots earlier and Bill Belichick. A lot of people now are talking about them being favorites in the AFC and contenders for the Super Bowl. And, of course, on the NFC side of the things, the Tampa Bay Bucks are always in that conversation. So everyone's talking. Are we going to see a rematch between Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year? Is it too early for this kind of talk? Yeah, I don't know, man. I Never say never, but I still like Buffalo I think in the AFC, as crazy as that sounds, you know, I got to be honest, when we went through that last section there, I'm looking at the standings and I can't believe Buffalo's on the outside looking in now on the AFC playoff picture. They're technically in, I should say. There's seven teams now that make it. Yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Okay. So now you're up to seven. So in past years, it would have been only six. But they are hanging on by a thread. They're hanging on by a thread, and I still like them. I still think they're a great team, and I, I think they're going to surge toward the end here. I think they're better than some teams ahead of them. Um, I don't know. I, I think Tennessee, I'm so torn on them. They could be another one, though, one of those dark horse teams. You got Baltimore sort of uh, falling down here at the end of the season, and we haven't even mentioned Kansas City yet. So the AFC is just so wide open. There are so many teams that could win the AFC and ultimately make it to the Super Bowl. And I don't think I've got New England, in, let's say, in my top two. Uh, on the other side, absolutely. I could see Tom Brady and the, and the Bucks making it back to the Super Bowl. They've stumbled a couple times here this season, but I think they got the stuff. I mean, don't ever count Tom Brady out for sure. And they got the whole team that they won the Super Bowl with already last year. Uh, so we'll see. What do you think? Well, I do think that both the Patriots and the Bills will be in the playoffs. Uh, we'll start there. Uh, who wins the division? I'm not sure. I would say it's advantage Patriots at this point, not just because they beat the Bills and are in first place, but I think they have shown over the course of the season that they are playing consistent football. I see them continuing along that line. The Bills, on the other hand, not only are they back down to 7-5 and five now, but they now travel to Tampa Bay this week to face Brady. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough one for them to bounce back. They're kind of reeling. They lost to the Colts. They they uh, walloped the Saints. But then they lost embarrassingly somewhat to the Patriots, you could say. And now they've got to face the Super Bowl champion Bucks. So, I mean, if they lose this one, the confidence will be really shot. The good thing that they have going for them is that three out of their last four games are against the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. And those, frankly, should be all easy wins They play the Patriots in New England in week 16, and they might lose that game. They might lose to the Bucs and the Patriots. That would set them at 7-7, but I really can't see them losing those other three games. That would put them at 10-7, and and I think 10-7 gets you in the playoffs in the AFC. How things go from there is really tough to say, but the advantage for me is still with New England there. 
because I do think they'll win the division and they have a legit shot to get that first round by in home field advantage. And nobody likes going to Foxborough in the playoffs to face the Patriots. So I think it's advantage Patriots at this point. And I mean, Hey, if it turns out being Patriots and bucks in the super bowl, uh, we might break some ratings records on that one. Oh man. I mean, you'd love to see it. Wouldn't you? It'd be a great game to see. I, I just feel like though, you know, Mac Jones, as great as he's been in his rookie season, you still have a rookie at the quarterback position and it's really hard to win a Super Bowl with a rookie at the QB spot, even when you've got one of the great minds of the game uh, in the history of the game, Bill Belichick behind the helm. Um, I got to I gotta say that there's going to be a time in that playoff stretch where they're going to need Mac Jones to win the game. And when he's going to be matched up with the likes of Lamar Jackson, with a Josh Allen, with a Patrick Mahomes, with a Herbert even, uh, in a non-weather game, knock on wood, it is... Foxborough, as you say, I don't know that he's going to be able to keep up. All right. Well, uh, we will see how it plays out. That, of course, is why we watch every week, see how things unfold, and it's so exciting. Let's look ahead then to Week 14 and some big games. You got to say uh, in this one, they only get bigger the closer you get to the playoffs because you can see the implications tangibly. Uh, the difference between winning and losing is the difference between making the playoffs and missing it. Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. This uh, is a big game. It's a divisional game. The Ravens, of course, lead the division at 8-4. and four. The Browns are last in the AFC North with a 6-6 six and six record. They're starting to get healthy again. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, man. Like you said, this week is going to be unbelievable. Some of these matchups we're going to be talking about here are unreal. Um, this is the time of year where it pays dividends who have paid attention to football all year long. And you know, the nor the narratives, the storylines heading into it, Baltimore, Cleveland, right off the top is going to be a fantastic game. It's going to be, I think another one of those AFC North games. We all know what those games are about. They're low scoring. They're slug the other guy in the mouth, get it done on the offensive and defensive lines, win the battles in the trenches. I think that's what we're going to see here. It's going to be a lot of Nick Chubb, uh, for the Cleveland Browns and Baltimore will try to establish the run again here. But I got to say, like we talked about with Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson earlier in the show, they got to get Hollywood going too. That was a key ingredient to their success. And I think that you're going to see them try to rekindle that connection a little bit in this game. Look for some deep shots to Hollywood Brown. This oddly enough will be the Browns second game in a row against the Ravens. Uh, this past week, week 13, they had a bye. The week before that, these two teams played together. The Ravens have since uh, played again. They played the Steelers, of course, that we talked about. But for the Browns, they're facing the Ravens for the second time in succession, and this time it's coming off a bye. So they've had a chance to analyze their uh, week 12 loss to the Ravens, 16-10, to 10, uh, take the learning spots, and now have two weeks to prepare there's kind of no excuse for them, I think, at this point. They have to win this game. They, they're they definitely going to be more well-prepared for it and well-prepared for the Ravens. It's all they've seen. It's all they've talked about now for about three weeks. So they really need to get a win in this one. Don't they? I mean, the confidence right now for the Browns has got to be at a bad spot. I mean, with the quarterback, Baker Mayfield, being injured, being banged up, not playing his best self, with the whole Beckham situation, him wanting off the team, them granting the uh, the release, these guys need a win in the worst way. 
And you got to hope that this bye week has done them some good. Get Baker a little healthier. As you said, get a game plan on how to attack the Ravens, how to make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, They need this win. This is a must win for the Cleveland Browns if they're going to have any hopes of making the playoffs this year. Do you think they have any chance of winning this game? Yeah, I think they they definitely do. And I would favor them for reasons I I mentioned there. I I think with, with the extra preparation, getting healthy again, Kareem Hunt is also back for them. So, you know, they're without Njoku, but I don't think that's a huge loss. Uh, but they they do need Baker to come through as well. You know, I think the big thing for them will be getting out to the early lead. They need to put the Ravens in uh, a chasing mode because Cleveland's not built to come from behind. They're built to get the lead and then play with the lead. For the Ravens, uh, they just lost Marlon Humphrey for the year. So that's a big loss to their secondary, a top corner in the league. Big loss for them. So I like the Browns in this one. That's a bold prediction. And, and you know, as you say that, I'm looking, it looks like Vegas is favoring Cleveland at home as well, but I don't see it. I don't see Cleveland as the favorite here. I think the Ravens are going to get this win. And you know what? Bold prediction. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Oh Low scoring, but the Browns are going to score. I think, I think the Ravens might hold them to under 10 points here. Wow. Well, it's a shame that I won't be having you on next week because uh, we, we can't take this up, but I will have to take that up in your absence. Let's keep it moving. Another big divisional game in the NFC East between the Dallas Cowboys, division leaders at this time at 8-4, and four, against the Washington football team, who are now pulled themselves up into second in the division. They're 6-6. Six and six. They've got a lot of momentum having won their last four games. How do you see this one playing out? This is the game I'm looking forward to. It's hard to say the most because there's so many good ones this week. But Dallas-Washington, we talked a little bit about this last week, how you can't count Washington out just yet. And here they are. They've got a chance to beat Dallas. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they're at home this week. They are. They are at home. So they're going to have home field advantage. Dallas clearly still going to be the favorite there. But... You know, Dallas has been stumbling a little bit themselves. That run game uh, with Zeke Elliott has been really been struggling. I wonder if Washington might have an upset cooking here. And they're currently in a playoff spot. They're in the sixth seed in the AFC. I want to see this team. It's the underdog. I want to see Ron Rivera's Washington football team make the playoffs. And, and this could be a huge statement win for them this week right here. It really could, and I don't think if anyone had told you that Chase Young was going to be lost for the year that the Washington football team would be in this position. In terms of the Cowboys, four out of their last five games are against divisional opponents. They've got two of the next three games against Washington. They play the Giants in between. They've also got the Cardinals. That's going to be a really tough game. And then they finish the season at the Eagles, and the Eagles are still in this race too. So These are huge games coming down the stretch for the Cowboys. This looked like a runaway midseason. Now, all of a sudden, if they lose this game, they're going to have a real fight on their hands. I'm with you. I can't wait to watch this game. Get the popcorn ready. Get the popcorn ready. (laughs) Uh, Finally, let's talk about the Rams and the Cardinals. Yet another divisional matchup. Man, oh, man. These are two top teams going at it. The Rams have been slipping of late. They really need a win, but how about those Cardinals? You know, they keep winning without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins. They get them both back. They click right away. 
They win again. They're 10-2 and two now, two games clear of the second-place Rams. The Rams have got to have this one, but what do you see happening? Well, you're right that, you know, they came back last week um, after missing a lot of time, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. They connected for the touchdown in the first quarter, I think it was, but then they really didn't have to do very much for the rest of the game. Uh, they got it done on the ground with James Conner and, of course, Andy Dalton throwing four interceptions last week uh, against those Bears. So we really haven't seen Kyler... Um, come back and be his old self, I would say, just yet. So if there's one cause for concern when it comes to, um, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, it's going to be, you know, making sure that Kyler's completely healthy. There's been a, obviously a lack of practice reps for some of these guys. Could the Rams maybe catch the Cardinals off guard here uh, with a lack of some of those practice reps and with, as you said, sort of being against the wall here? They got to get this win. It's a critical game. Yeah, and part of the Rams, I think, their struggles have been in losing Robert Woods and replacing him, essentially, uh, with Odell Beckham Jr. The, the chemistry's just not there for them right now. I'm not saying it's not going to get there. I'm not saying it's not going to get there in time for them to make the playoffs. Like the AFC East, I think both these teams will be in the playoffs. I have little doubt about that. The Rams are still a top team, but they need to really start pulling together now. This is the point in the season where they need to say, you know what? Our road to the Super Bowl starts right here. Let's win this game. We'll pull the division back to one game back of the Cardinals. They'll still have it all in front of them for the division. But if they lose this game, they can kiss the division goodbye. They'll have to settle for a wild card. That'll mean going on the road in the playoffs. It makes everything tougher. So they're going to be highly motivated for this one. Absolutely. I think we're going to see some fireworks. Big score in this game. Yep. I hope so. All right, let's get into fantasy, man. And uh, the playoffs are even closer in fantasy than they are in real life. Uh, I know you and I are both gearing up for fantasy in our leagues. Let me just give you a little props here in our two Yahoo leagues that we're in together. You are on a combined 10-game win streak between the two pools. Man, what's your secret? Well, first of all, I know what you're up to here. This is the classic Pete reverse jinx. Get, get ready for <laughs> getting ready for our playoff matchup. That's you know could be coming down. No, it's in all seriousness. No, um, you know I think in fantasy sometimes you got to be lucky to be good, and I managed to get Jonathan Taylor on both of these teams, and we know the kind of year he's having. And when you have the top running back in fantasy, life is just a lot easier. And suddenly now the floor of your team every week is so much higher. And you only need a couple other things to go right every week. And it's going to be a lot easier to win those games. So I'm just riding Jonathan Taylor. I love the player. That's what my teams are all about. And I look forward to those Colts games every Sunday right now. I bet. I bet. And you've been, I'll give you some credit. You've been on Taylor since he broke into the league. You've been high on him. He's one of your guys. So that's pretty cool. And your teams are more than him, too. That's what makes them so good, I think. So, But now we're getting ready. We're gearing up for the playoffs. You and I are both going to be in the playoffs in both those leagues. Am I correct on that, If I, I think? Yeah, we have maybe not mathematically um, clinched, let's say, for you and Lee Boom and me and um, our other league that we're in together. But our point totals are so much higher than the guys that would have to climb over top of us. 
uh, and us having better records that essentially we've clinched both leagues. Yeah. So what you're saying is that you and me were kind of a big deal when it comes to fantasy. Oh, football. huge. We're huge. <laughs> you know, we walk in the room, people move out of the way. That's how it works in fantasy. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. So yeah, it's very exciting. And I know we talked a little bit uh, last week about getting your handcuffs in preparation for that down the stretch uh, run into the playoffs, but playoffs typically are a three week process in fantasy football. You end on the week prior to the last week of the regular season in real life, because if you've got top players on top teams, they might get rested in real life in the last game and you never want that. So the fantasy season always ends a week prior. That's week 17. Now that we're up to an 18 week schedule. So weeks 15, 16, 17. So we're almost there. We're in week 14 now. Looking forward to the playoffs. It's all about looking for those matchups. You know, you got your guy, you got your uh, tailors that you're going to plug and play no matter what. But you've sometimes got a choice to make between one guy and another, uh, maybe even between positions if you're uh, contemplating a flex spot. And what do you do in those times? Oftentimes you're looking for a matchup advantage. Uh, a wide receiver that's going up against a team that's terrible against wide receivers and things like that. Who have you got pegged as some certain players that you want to have that might be available to you in our leagues? Well, it's a great question. And I I think you want to be grabbing for sure those backup running backs because when they hit, they're huge. What I would say, though, is when you're looking ahead at matchups, you got to make sure that you're not looking too far ahead, right? You got to get to the playoffs first. And then when you're there, you got to win week 14 or 15 or 16. You got to win week by week by week. So be careful about going out and loading up on guys who have good matchups in week 17 for the fantasy championship, because if you don't get to the dance, don't worry about who you're going to be, who your dance partner is going to be, right? Like just get there first, focus on, on the process, focus on a week by week thing. If you have the luxury of right now sitting in a playoff spot and you've got it locked up like we do, and there isn't that it factor guy, that that explosive lottery ticket guy that could hit big, that you could stash on your bench, this is the only time in the season where I'm okay personally with adding uh, a second defense if that defense has a great matchup coming down the stretch so it's just like you said then we're adding handcuff running backs but we're also looking for defenses that potentially could be weak winning in those fantasy weeks so i'm looking at philadelphia and tampa bay as two teams that have great schedules down the stretch but what i would say then is look for the backups in those teams so jordan howard is one for philly we've seen what he can do when he takes the lead uh, dog role in philadelphia Miles Sanders was hobbled last week. He's got the bye this week. We don't know too much about the injury. If he didn't, if he does miss week 15, he could be huge for you. So go add Jordan Howard as one of those lottery ticket type of guys uh, and look for the defenses. Another one I'll mention is Amir Abdullah. Um, a lot of people are talking about Chuba Hubbard being the replacement for uh, Christian McCaffrey now that he's out for the season. But what we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks is Amir Abdullah actually taking over the pass catching role um, instead of Chuba Howard. So I think it's going to be a bit more of a timeshare there. And if I were looking to stash a guy, that'd be another guy I'd be looking at. Yeah, those are a couple of good guys for sure. As for me, I'm big on the special teams battle. I love to go into a week and think that I have a good chance at winning the special teams battle, not just the defense and special teams slot, 
but also including the kicker. I love to win in those two categories to give me an advantage when we're talking about all the other players. So if Matt Prater is out there in your league, I think he's a great kicker to get. His week 15 to 17 schedule is as follows. He's at Detroit, he's home to the Colts, and then he's away at the Cowboys. All three of those games, there's going to be opportunity. Of course, we all know that the Cardinals offense is great anyways, so he should have plenty of chances to score. But in addition to that, all three of those games will be indoor games. The Lions, of course, play in a dome, as do the Cardinals themselves, as do the Cowboys. So you won't have to worry about the weather. You can just plug him in and play him, and he should get you some good points heading down the stretch. As for defenses, you know what? I'm going to keep it close with my Miami Dolphins, baby. We're off this week. Uh, We've got our bye week 14. So we're coming out of the bye for the playoffs And we get the Jets first up. That's a great way to kick off your playoff run, eh? You play the New York Jets. They will most likely have Zach Wilson under center. He's he's really struggled with turnovers, and the Dolphins are a ball-hawking defense. I can really see Miami being big there for you. Then they're at the Saints, and you know what? The Saints have really been struggling on the offensive side of the ball. The quarterbacks have not worked out since Jameis Winston went down. So that's another good matchup. And then they're at Tennessee in the final week which is not a great matchup, but it's also not a terrible matchup. Uh, They, of course, are still without Henry. And, uh, hey, if you really need somebody else for that final week, I'm sure you can pick someone up. So I'm going Matt Prater for a kicker and the Miami Dolphins for the defense. Great picks. All right. That's going to do it. I can't believe we barely – we didn't even get around to this, but the Detroit Lions won their first game of the season. Hey, it's time to party in Detroit. And you know what? Uh, In a serious note – Uh, They dedicated that win to the local high school, Oxford, uh, in light of that tragedy. Very classy move by them. Really happy to see them get the win, though, for Coach Campbell and all the players. They celebrated like it was their Super Bowl. We knew that they did it for more than themselves. And keep pressing on, Lions. Eric, thanks for coming on with me once again. And I know we're going to have you back uh, probably right around the Super Bowl. So I'm really excited and looking forward to that. Hey, right on, man. I love being on the show. This is such a great time to be on, you know, with a good friend and, you know, sharing your football knowledge and getting to get way inside the game. This is a good time. And, you know, I'm happy to come back anytime you want. All right. We're inside the game. You're inside the game. Join us next week. We'll have a lot to talk about. I'll have my good friend, Ryan Tudor on with me for the next couple of weeks. If you can give us a like or subscribe, that would be excellent. That really goes a long way in helping us. So until next time, take her easy.